if God is in you, then you need to get to work because you running behind on promises. You, you, <laughs> if you're carrying God in you, if you're carrying Jesus in you, there are 26 million homeless people in the world. There are so many people living below poverty. Y'all yeah. need to figure out why y'all need all this money in these churches, like hoarding up money, doing the exact opposite of what you say your Savior says not to do. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Dig News Streams podcast. I'm your host, Dave Capozzi. This week, I welcome my friend Erica, known as Thinker on TikTok. Erica is a deconstructionist influencer who openly shares her experiences and journey of deconstructing from Christianity and her religious upbringing. She has amassed a following of nearly 300,000 followers across the platform. I think it's our job to get her over 300,000 followers. If you would like to keep up with the podcast, subscribe to whatever platform you're using to listen right now, and you can find a consistent conversation happening over on TikTok if you search for my name, Dave Capozzi, and on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook at Dig New Streams Podcast. Without further ado, my conversation with Erica. When you hear the word Christian, what does that bring up for you? Ooh. <laughs> I think that's the word. Ooh. <laughs> that's good. That's the best answer so far. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I think the best word is ooh, because there's just so many facets of Christianity and different types of Christians that I've engaged with. Yeah. I can only sum them up with my experience. Yes. Right. Them, and the word would be ooh. I love that so much. So you're what you're doing on a regular basis. I don't know if you've done this for a long time, but I've since I've sort of been engaging with your content more, you've been doing all these lives where you're asking questions, really wanting Christians to engage with those questions. Yeah. And you have from my experiences on being a couple of, on a couple of them, there's been a lot of proselytizing. So have there been experiences where Christians have engaged in good faith and really have wanted to like go back and forth wrestling with the conversation or just yeah. always come to some point of like, well, we know the truth and you don't. Yeah. We, we have several uh, Christians that are regulars that, that come on um, and they'll engage with the conversation. They'll go back and research some of the uh, information um, and they'll come back and they'll say, okay, so I, I, I see what you guys are, are saying now. Mm. Um and it's not that, you know, we're wanting them to no longer be Christian, right? It's it's that question that you ask, like, what is Christian to you? Yeah. Um, it's if it's taking the harm out of the religion and bringing it to what is it supposed to be about? So getting helping them question these things that have been added to it, I guess. Yes. Um, so they can say, wait a minute, uh, we need to take we need to pay attention to this and pluck this out yeah. and actually spread what we say that we're spreading. But yes. we've had several that they come back, they say they love the space. Um they've hopped on. It was like, this is my favorite space on TikTok. Thank you so much. You know, you've helped me a lot. So Oh, that's so beautiful. So you're doing the work of the gospel. Um <laughs> <laughs> you're like so I, what I love so much about your content and what you produce in this way, because I know you've done a lot of like your content is not just Christianity, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, um, for anyone listening, there's, you do a lot of, of different stuff. You do current events, you're doing anti-racism stuff, all sorts of things. Um, the Christianity piece has been really fascinating because you ask, you ask questions that I've never even considered. And my, you know, I'm 42. I've spent my life in the church, went to seminary, pastored. And when you ask questions about Paul or Josephus or, you know, you're just not afraid of any of those questions. And it's unfortunate, I think, that Christianity did, Christianity doesn't carry the element that Judaism, Judaism has, which you can just ask whatever. And there's no threat to your relationship, to your, your connection to the religion. You can just ask the questions. But within Christianity, and I believe your experience is probably the same, you can't ask those questions. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you're demonized for asking questions. And it's you don't love God or you don't trust Jesus or 
you're Satan's child. Like you're demonized for asking questions. Yeah. What is your church experience? Did you grow up Baptist, Pentecostal? What was like your uh, experience? In Pentecostal. The we were Church of God in Christ. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of my recent other guests was Kojic, um, Poetic Deconstruction. He's solid. I don't know if you're connected, but Co- like we, he went through the history of how the Assemblies of God and Kojic came about because of racism yeah. mm-hmm. and asking those questions are difficult because there's there's elements of this sort of Christianity, white supremacy culture are all interwoven. And that certainty, unwillingness to engage with questions is a big piece of that. So yeah. now here you are asking all the questions. And does it do you find that like you're just constantly searching for more? Well, you're re- you're taking up a lot of information. You're reading history. Like, what are the questions you're wrestling with now? And it, like, would you have ever thought that you would have gotten there? So, um, no, I would have never thought that I would even be doing what I'm doing today. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the questions that I'm wrestling with now is the five promises um, that Jesus gave before he left. Right. Like you can ask anything in my name and it shall be done. And hmm. I what I'm asking Christians to do is to like really look at these promises and ask yourself, are these considered broken promises or like, have you misinterpreted these? Because there's a lot of uh, Christians, a lot of pastors that are going around laying hands on people and claiming that they can heal them and telling them not to go to the doctor, not, you know, pray the mental illness away, pray, you know what I'm saying? Yes. So it, if you cannot uh, confidently say that you have been able to ask anything in Jesus name and he did what exactly what you asked, then you shouldn't be going around telling people, you know, to pray their, their mental illness away or whatever. So asking Mm -hmm. them these five promises that he, uh, you know, left in this text and to really face them and and deal with them, but they're having difficulty doing that. I'm sure. What are some responses you've been getting? Um, it's symbolic it, where he was talking to the disciples at that time. He wasn't talking to us, um, that so, uh, several people have claimed that they have done it, that they have healed, yeah. um, people that they healed people from the flu and they got like instant relief. And then they got over the flu, flu a few days later. And we're like, <laughs> so they just, the, the flu just kind of like, uh, lived his time out, right? <laughs> ran its course. Yeah, ran its course. <laughs> so it, it, when they, she said that he got instant relief because he was hacking up a lung and he just stopped coughing. I said, so you know for a fact that he didn't cough anymore after you left? She's like, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I didn't check on him. I said, that <sighs> is the unethical part of it all, right? Yes. Like for you to claim this healing that God did this and you didn't even check to see if he was okay just because he stopped coughing in front of you while you were praying. He probably didn't want to cough in your face. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the flu's gone. It is. I love that you call it unethical. That's important. Do you mind talking a little bit about why that that's unethical? Yeah. Um, so my brother's daughter uh, passed away on the altar. She had, uh, she was nine mm. and the pastor, uh, it was a pastor that, you know, our family knew. Um, his mom, uh, his daughter's mom was a member of his church. Um, and he told her not to take her to the doctor. She had a diabetic uh, episode. He told her to bring her to the altar and he would, you know, pray for her. And she died right there on the altar. Oh my God. And I think it's for, for someone to be claiming to have this type of power, knowing good and well that you don't, you, you don't play around with someone's life um, to prove that this deity uh, existed, right? Um, and so a lot of the stuff that I do talk about is because of, you know, religious trauma that I have experienced in my life and, and other stories that I've heard of, you know, of people, sick illnesses getting worse because pastors have told them, you know, oh, you are healed or this is, you're going to be healed in three days and they're not, um, or telling them not to take chemotherapy, um, because, you know, the church has touched an degree. It's one Mm -hmm. thing to have faith, but you have you should have faith that, you know, God or the spirit, like I, I believe in spirit. There I got, that's what yeah. I believe in. Yeah. And so you should have faith that, um, you know, God or spirit is going to lead you to the right uh, means to heal your body. Right. Mm. I, I think, I think spirit is logic, right? Logic and truth. Yeah, right. It's not good. this uh, fantasy unethical stuff that causes harm. And, and if your spirit is causing harm, you have the wrong spirit. 
Yeah, it's true too. It's actually biblical. It's funny because doesn't this don't, don't the Christian scriptures say that like the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why I said there is multiple layers uh, in in the Bible. Yeah. There are some things that you can take out of there and uh, and actually you know grow from. Yes, but I think you have to go through all the ugliness to get to that right, and that's that transformation. And you have to allow yourself to to go through this um, sort of type of. Somebody called it an initiation yesterday. You yeah. have to allow yourself to go through through all the ugliness and face the ugliness before you can even get to that type of realization. Yes, right? absolutely. Yeah. So you recognize and acknowledge what most people aren't willing to face, which mm-hmm. is that literally every person picks and chooses when they read the scriptures. Yeah. Because it's not um, a u- it's not univocal. There's not one voice that's consistent throughout. There's contradiction. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Right. And yeah. you point those out. Not. Mm-hmm. And I. My experience is not. You're not doing it because you're trying to cause, like you said, you're not trying to pull someone out of Christianity. You're just trying to say, can we just be honest? Yes. Yes. <laughs> can we be lean into the spirit? <laughs> yeah, learn the history behind it, right? Yeah. Um, there was a pastor that joined the live and he was trying to, you know, make apologies for the interpolation um at the end of Mark. Like mm, we were talking yeah. about how, you know, that part was added and he was making apologies for it. Um, and in so many words, wanting to ignore the fact that that part of the scripture was added. Yes. Uh, at a later date. And um I said, you see what you just did here on this live? I said, the early church fathers did that same thing when they were interpreting this text because they they needed it to be true. So they did, they made, um, you know, uh, decisions at that time that they felt, well, you know, were right because they needed this to be true. Yeah. And that's, I said, that's what you just did right here on this live. He How did like, he respond to that? He, he said, I see what you're saying. Wow. Said, yeah. I remember in seminary when, when I learned about that part in Mark and then also the one in John, because you, mm-hmm. you and I messaged about that. And it was kind of devastating to me. And I, I, do, I, I simultaneously felt that and appreciated that they were like, this is, this is what happened. And we're still teaching this. We still believe. I'm like, okay, so we can still believe in God and the Bible doesn't have to be perfect the way I saw it. That was disru- so disruptive for me. Yeah. I now you're dealing with people who f- they talk about the Bible as though it's the word of God, right? Mm-hmm. And what you're saying is maybe there are truths. And in fact, there probably are truths, many truths to be found within the scriptures. But this whole thing is not the word of God. It is open to as much scrutiny as anything else. Yes. I often uh, try to show them how uh, Judaism breaks up their text, right? Like they believe that the Torah is the direct word of God to Moses and that the the book of prophets is the, you know, the prophet speaking on behalf of God. Yeah. And then the writings are, you know, poems and, and songs. And I try to show them how Christianity just kind of puts them all together in this chronological order <laughs> to create this timeline. To where it makes them think that everything that's said there is God talking. Yes. Right. So they're not able to separate God from man. Right. Which then, if you're a person, this is where you were talking about the unethical piece that is so crucial, which is why there's so many of us that have left the church, whether it's white evangelicalism or Kojic, like there's an exodus Mm -hmm. from Christianity because of those unethical abuses where people have this hope that they're given. And they're told this is all truth. And then it ultimately is disappointing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so important, the work that you do, to remind people that that doesn't mean there's no hope. It doesn't mean there's no things to hold on to or to pursue. It just this thing that has been told, we've been told is perfect. And these people that are telling us that we should look to them as representatives of it is un- ultimately unethical and unjust. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're looking for the love, the community. Like that's the thing yeah. that Christians are are not. Let me not say all Christians, but there are some Christians who know exactly what that book is used for. Um, but there are there's a there is I've engaged Christians who 
really engage with this text, you know, with this lifestyle because they're looking for love and they're looking for community. Yes. Right. Um, and the thing that they're looking for in the text, um, it is there, but it's not, it's not where they're looking, if that makes sense. Yes. And it's going in order for them to find it, they have to face, um, they have to deal with the text as is. Yes. And then and be willing to not only just study the text, but study the um the history of it. Like, why would you not want to study the history um that was going on at that time? Like I I, I was thinking of that next time someone tell me that they don't read anything but the Bible, I'm gonna tell them to close their eyes and picture themselves as small, like small standing on top of the Bible <laughs> within the words <laughs> and like imagine that as they are standing on top of that Bible, there's this big library that they're in this big library with thousands of books that tells you that you can know anything um, in, in uh, that has to do with God, Jesus, um, the beginning of time. Would you just stay within those, those pages or would you jump off of those pages into that library? Mm. And, and if they say they can jump off those, you know, they would go to the library I'm going to ask them to picture themselves getting down. Like, how did you get down? Did you jump down? Did you just scoot off the pages? Like, uh, how, are you really ready to, you know, in, embrace the 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 realness of this this Bible and, and finding that love and that community that you say that you're looking for? That's so good. It, it is a huge part of it, right? Is the community, mm -hmm. the the love, the community that that thing. Ultimately, I don't know if you found this. What I found is that it was conditional. It was conditional based on whether we believe the same thing. Yeah. From your experience, is that what was true? You know, I don't know your story about when you left um, that your church experience, but was that kind of true for you as well? Yeah, growing up, we were not, we couldn't even go to a Baptist church. We were told the Baptists were all going to hell. <laughs> because the jury's out on that one. Yeah, <laughs> we were told they they go to church on Sunday morning and be at the club on Friday night. Oh, it's good. Yeah, like so it is. Um, you know, believing all the same thing, even like in the family. My family, they do not like that I do not believe. Mm. So the relationship is, it's not as close as it used to be, um, because to them, I'm um, I'm going against their savior. Yeah. Yeah. So when I say community, I'm not even talking about like the church, like that, yeah. like yeah. being in the in the building, you know. Yeah. Because that to me, like it is a community for them. Because, but to me, that's not the community that will help mankind. It hasn't. It hasn't mm. really helped mankind. It has actually hurt mankind because they get in these groups, many cults. Yes. And they all have this one belief system. That a certain type of people are not good, that, that certain type of people are bad. So then they attack these certain type of people mentally, right? Or they withhold resources from a certain type of people because of a belief system. So mm. those those are not the communities I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, no. It's interesting because your family experienced the same injustice and they yet they remain. That's what yeah. Uh, I, I I was talking about this last night on live when mm. one of the ladies was talking about she healed somebody. Um, and I shared with the live about my niece and I had a realization during the live mm. that we really, my family really has gone through a lot of religious trauma. Like my father um, was a pastor. He was killed by a drunk driver, oh he, but, but before he was uh, killed, there were seven pastors who were, they they were jealous of him and they were spreading rumors about him. Wow. They were mistreating him. So he, in my mind, my dad died sad on the side of the road, oh. right? Because of that. Um, Brutal. Yeah. So like we had a lot of religious trauma and I had that realization last night on the live. Mm. And it was almost as if there was this block that was blocking me from recognizing it as religious trauma. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I think my family is still in it because yes. to them, God can do no wrong. God is sovereign. Yeah. If it happened that way, God wanted it to happen that way. So they don't see the wrong in it. The trauma, it's not trauma to them. And and for me to have been out of it for four years now, and I me just realizing that it's, it was trauma, it's, 
it was eye-opening last night. Oh, these lives are powerful, huh? It's like church. That's <laughs> <laughs> like what church is supposed to be, uh, in my opinion. That Thank you for sharing that. I mean, it's just, it's interesting because, you know, we all grow up with this, uh, you got to have faith as a child, faith like a child, right? Yeah. I remember when I had kids and I was like, wait a second. I think what Jesus meant was he never stopped asking questions because that's kids. Yes. Right. You, take, you don't, you never take no for an answer when no. it comes to like asking your, like your parents or asking for a job, right. Or asking yeah. for funding. Like kids, my kids told me that I was going to take them to Disney world and they never let me forget it. Like they never let me forget it. And they've been to Disney world twice. <laughs> <laughs> but it makes so much more sense that way. Doesn't it? Because there's all these times when Jesus is going around and someone's like, I want to follow you. He's like, yeah, well, are you willing to do this? And like, he pushes, he wants you to push back. Like yeah. that's what's happening in his context. He's a Jewish rabbi who's a revolutionary. And that's what he's trying to do. He's like, you don't got the stomach for this. You can't be part of it. So when you're, if you're asking oh, all the revelation, go yeah, ahead. Let's hear it. No, I want to hear, I want to hear your revelation. <laughs> so, okay. So, I don't know. How, were you in the live where I asked the question, is, was Jesus a supremacist? Yeah, no, but I was in the next day and you, you, wrapped, you told me about it. I wasn't okay. in that one. Yeah. Yeah. So the faith like a child, like constantly asking in spite of the opposition, mm. right? Because he did. He demeaned her and he called her a dog. Yeah. Um, and so she can. she's like, yeah, I'm a dog, but don't we eat food from the master's table? Oof. And um, he's like, all right, your faith is making you whole. Go ahead, your, your, your kid is healed. So looking at it uh, from that perspective, it's the keep asking, um, even yeah. in the face of rejection. Yeah. And and then, like, we know that we're, like, we've been through a lot. Um, when I say we, I'm talking, like, um, the Black community. Like, we've been through a lot here in North America, just in the diaspora as a whole. Yes. Um, and it can be really, really... Uh, tiring like to to continue to keep trying like i have you know mm. my 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 tech company and i'm you know constantly trying but in the face of experiencing so much racism and uh sexism but you know from being a woman and yeah. it being really really hard to raise money um mm. you have a, a full product and users it's hard to raise money but then you you see that this kid this blonde haired blue eyed white kid and say, hey, I have an idea, and then he gets three million dollars. Oh my and god! Then, um, so it's hard, right? It just seems so unfair to have that we have to continue and have that level of faith. Um, yes, yes, yes. And, and right, and and absolutely, other people don't. <laughs> yes, oh, that's so powerful. Oh my god, I, you're preaching. Okay, <laughs> so like, I love this because that's what that is what the message we've talked about this that the Christian scriptures are meant for people who experience that level of oppression constant that's who was hearing it that's who was experiencing it this woman demands that jesus heals right mm -hmm. she she's like i know you can do this you're gonna do it for me and like that level of faith it is unjust that you have to continue it is unjust yeah like, you have to you have to accept that you are lower than low you have to in the face of it you have to be demeaned um, and you just have to be like, okay, I don't, like, yeah, I'm a dog, but heal my daughter. Jesus. Know? Wow. Yeah. I don't even mean that in like the prayer way. I mean that in the swear way. It's like, <laughs> I mean, just, wow. Like it's, it is so, it's so real. And there's no, there's no, um, immediate, like, all right, we're now, now we know there's un injustice. This is like constant and this is throughout the world and we're seeing it all over. And people who, the people who are in power, who are praised for when they do anything somewhat kind, like, it's just mind boggling to me. I saw this interview with the Pope where, you know, the Roman Catholic Church is all of a sudden saying, you know, that gay people should be able to get married or something. Maybe. I'm like, they shouldn't be praised for this. He shouldn't be praised for this. I don't care if he's the best Pope they've ever had. I don't care. He shouldn't be praised for having an ounce of humanity. I'm yeah. sorry. But he still put hierarchy in it, didn't he? Yes. He they can't get married uh, at the same at the same time as a straight couple or something. Like he still put hierarchies in it. He right. Still, he still demeaned them as and to say that they are not the same as yes. a straight couple. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So in my mind, 
whenever I hear like a white man or someone that's the head of some kind of major Christian organization or like do something that's somewhat humane, I'm like, thanks for somewhat joining the party, but like you don't get a round of applause for that. And I like that doesn't justify this. This to me is still imperial Christianity light. You know, yeah. it's just like, but you're still propagating all of this injustice. And so here you are talking about it. You're like, no, like you're you're not going to get away with this on my watch. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's all this narrative around racism uh, in this country and how it's experienced in different places. Now, I will tell you from my perspective, being from the Northeast, growing up, we thought of the South as the racists. Um, this is in the 80s and 90s. Come to find out, five miles down the road, wait, there's an all-black city? And why are they living there? You know, like, why are things the way they are? Why is redlining still happening? And then I go down south, and I'm at grocery stores in, like, Tennessee, and there's, like, black and white people shopping together. That doesn't happen up here. So I'm like, wait, what is... Oh, it doesn't happen up there? Only in in very small pockets, like, in cities. So, like, Boston. It doesn't happen in the suburbs, no. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, not even close. So, like... um. So it's a curious thing that, you know, and for the white bodied individual looking on, they're sort of like, see, racism's dead. (laughs) White and black people are living together and they're, and you're just constantly in this place where you're saying in your industry, in the church, all over, we're seeing that white, like this picture of what is supposed to be good and right with America, which is blue hair, I mean, blue eyes, blonde hair, like that is what gets priority. You're constantly facing this, like where you're with your company. Yeah, you, constantly. Do you also find it in these Christian conversations? Does there come a point where someone tries to like smack you down because you're a black woman? Or is it like you're not uh, treated with the same level of respect? Like, do you experience that on that level? Uh, not so usually with when I um, encounter white evangelicals, they are looking for the opportunity to play white savior. Like, so like when they, gotcha. when they see me, it's more so um, wanting to show me different things, right? Like help me with different experiences in life or, you know, something like that. Um, so you can be saved. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And then um, with, in the black community, it's typically the the men, yeah, right? Because the the Bible teaches them that they are superior to the women. Mm. So it's it's usually the men that would smack down a a woman because they they love that women shouldn't preach in the church. Like, yeah, uh, women should be silent in the church. They're scared of what what's gonna come out of our mouth. Yeah, they are. So, <laughs> <laughs> but that, it, that's usually uh, the way it go. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I. I think with uh, racism and uh, Christianity, churches are so divided. Like you don't see black and white. You don't see a heavily populated black and white church, right? It's either all black or an all white church. Yeah. So I I don't think that the, the racism hasn't been dealt with a lot because they don't even... No. engage like that right no and if it is if you do see diversity it's white culture so a lot of the i remember back in uh, probably 10 years ago when i was doing getting geared up to do a church plant they were like you know the biggest the most diverse churches are mega churches i was like wow that's weird why are they and ultimately it's because they're like they're huge they're mm-hmm. white culture though and what they'll do is they'll put up these sort of They'll have a black worship leader um, and they'll put people uh, of sort of diverse ethnic cultures all over, but the people in power are ultimately white. Mm -hmm. And ultimately these other spaces, the churches that you're talking about are, you know, who was it that said it? I think it was Martin Luther King. The most um, segregated hour during the week is Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, right? Yeah. Um, and that's still true. Uh, right about it's, now. No. It's still, yeah, right now, right now. <laughs> right now we're at our most segregated. But that's actually um, a misnomer too, because we just always are. Like yeah. our, our, our experiences could not be more different. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about that from a faith perspective or a spirituality perspective, it's the same thing. When I learn about religion, Jesus, God, 
the Bible. I'm learning at it. I'm learning it in the most powerful seat from the most powerful people. And that that's what's spread throughout the entire world. And so, but that benefits me, right? So I have this access. And so now, you know, when we talk about these conversations, it is so, I think, important to recognize those power dynamics because if we don't, we can't have a good faith conversation about what the Bible's really about. Like, yeah. we have to recognize all those power dynamics. That's something that white evangelicals are either incapable or, or unwilling to do. That, that's why I always ask the question, if we don't do this, how can we see the change in the world that we need to see, right? Mm. Like, this is the first step um, in dealing with the racism that is in the, the the church as a whole, the body as a whole. Our laws are designed off of the belief systems of, yes. you know, the people that are in power. Yes. Um, and, and and so if they don't have the ability to even recognize that there's separation in the church, that the body is fractured and separated, mm. then how can they fix, you know, what's going on in the world? Right. And they're not hearing the people that are saying, hey, we're hurting, we're hurting, we're hurting, we're hurting. They're mm. making excuses for it, right? And oh. then when when you when you say, didn't Jesus say that if he, he said, don't worry about what the pagans uh, have, like uh, you don't have to worry about what, what you're going to eat, what, where you're going to sleep, what you're going to wear. He said, you see, the pagans have it. But if you seek ye first my kingdom and all his righteousness, I will give these things to you also. Right. Yeah. But when you tell when you bring that scripture up and you say this is a promise that Jesus made. But mm. why are, why are there so many children going hungry they say it's not god's fault their parents sin their parents sin and it's never looking at and saying you know what we we literally are carrying god or we literally are like they made the claim that somebody told me last night that they died with jesus on the cross and now they are jesus in the flesh like that's Damn. what they believe <laughs> that's what they believe they're jesus but he's saying he that basically the the sacrifice taught them that they are reincarnated like Jesus oh, in the flesh. That's pretty but exciting that you got to talk to Jesus. That's cool. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I think we said, I think we said, we was like, so when we said that, it, he was like, no, Jesus is with me. I was like, oh, okay. Can you ask him to pop in the box right quick? Because we got a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot of questions now. <laughs> Tell him to pop on screen. <laughs> so good. But if if they're going around saying God is in me, right? If God is in you, then you need to get to work because you running behind on promises. You, you <laughs> if you're carrying God in you, if you're carrying Jesus in you, there are 26 million homeless people in the world. There are so many people living below poverty. Y'all yeah. need to figure out why y'all need all this money in these churches, like hoarding up money, doing the exact opposite of what you say your savior says not to do mm. like you need to figure out why the church is wealthier than than its partitioners right yes absolutely especially because i don't know if you've tried this one i love this asking this or posing this question to christians in matthew 25 there's no more clear um criteria for what Jesus says will be the judgment day. There's no more, nothing more clear. He says, if you visited people in prison, if you clothed naked people, if you gave people that are, you know, hungry food, uh, that's then you're here you go. Come on mm -hmm. with me. And if you didn't do those things, go away. <laughs> like that's so clear. I love asking Christians and seeing them squirm around that one because nowhere does it say, were you gay? Nowhere does it say, you know, did you have premarital sex? Like these, the way, the things that have become the standard that have kept people from experiencing God and have kept people in power, not caring about people who experience poverty, mm -hmm. oppression of all kinds. It's not, if we can get people to just admit at some point, this has nothing to do with Jesus. I just want power. That'd be yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's why, that's why I trip when they see the picture of uh, Gollum. Uh, <laughs> it's so great because <laughs> i'm like oh they're like that's not my jesus i said really i said mm. this is what iranians and um uh tertullian and them said that he looks like yeah. so if, if jesus came back looking like this you would just you would uh call somebody said they would say that he was uh lying on the messiah that he was blaspheming on on himself yep. 
Yep. Like, and, and you're looking for pretty privilege, right? Oh, it's you, so good. You are literally used to Baywatch Babe, Jesus. Yes. That, and you think that that's when, when you look at Baywatch Babe, you think that's what you look like <laughs> because Jesus is in you. But then when <laughs> I show you the golem, Jesus, you you flip out because that's what you really look like, right? You can't see it. You can't see the ugliness that's, that's, that is in this thing. You can't, you won't look at it because you're used to the Baywatch Bay. Oh, that's so, so good. <laughs> For anyone that's listening to this, you have to go, like at some point, they're going to find you on live. But like, do you, like, do you have a video with the Gollum Jesus? Yeah. Okay. Uh -huh. Yeah. You got to see this because it is, you used words from Tertullian and from Irenaeus of like the way they described what Jesus might've looked like. You put that in the AI generator and it came up with this person that looks kind of like Gollum from mm -hmm. the Lord of the Rings. And I actually think that's a really powerful message. And what you just said is because if Jesus looked like the way they described and he still got that following. You're not about, you're not going to follow that guy. There's no yeah. way people are following that guy today. Yeah. And you're actually not, you're not blaspheming. You're just saying, what if he looked like this? Mm -hmm. Is that a yeah. problem for you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, and I put that in the video. I said, if these words, if these descriptions make you feel uncomfortable or saying this makes you feel uncomfortable, then that's a you problem. Then because they was, they was telling me I need help. No, you need help. Why you, you need, need help. help. Because you're, 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 if these words bother you, you're literally saying that a bald person, that Jesus wouldn't love a bald person. Yeah, like there's right. something wrong with a person being bald. There's something wrong with a person being short. Right. They said he had a, a humpback. Like there's something wrong with, with someone who has a humpback. Like you're, if you are having, if you think your Messiah has to look like Baywatch Bay, then the, you are the problem. Yes, absolutely. Right? And that's why a lot of times we can't see um, the spirit and other people. We're looking for the spirit to come in this glorious package. Uh, you know, that that's why like ah, with these <laughs> big mega churches, these pastors and their dialect when they speak. I asked a pastor last night, I said, why when you get on the live and you talk about your studies and that you're studying Hebrew, you always say, and Hamash. In. <laughs> <laughs> why do you do that? <laughs> What do you say? What do you say? He was like, I don't think I do that. I said, yes, you do. I said, it's, I said, I, I want to ask all the pastors when they go to seminary school, did they learn this um this one this phrase with well, a man rob God? Yet, <laughs> yet has he robbed me. <laughs> I wish I could answer your question. I didn't. This is the way I talked when I was a pastor, and like I actually when I was in seminary, I'll ne I'll never forget this moment. I'm two years into seminary and I took a preaching class. I don't even, I'm like, why am I signing up for this? I don't want to be a pastor. I didn't go to become a pastor. And so I'm in the class. I'm like, this is so stupid. I hated every second of it. I'm in there for 15 minutes. I walked out and I didn't go back for 10 years <laughs> <laughs> until the church I started working for paid for me to go. I'm like, I don't want to be take up this that's what they were doing they're like and uh tell you i'm like i don't what i'm not gonna do that. really gonna... do that's why they all sound alike yeah well I, no no you really learn i mean in the context that i was in the the seminary i went to was in um roxbury which is a part of boston that is predominantly black and so the the seminary i went to i heard gordon conwell and i thought oh billy graham's seminary and it's on the north shore very affluent so I'm like, I live in Boston. I'll go to the one here. Classes were super cheap. I'm like, this is awesome. So I get there, not a white person in sight. <laughs> and at that point, like I didn't have any of this. Like that's when I woke up to whiteness was in seminary. So they taught like the way they taught preaching was the way black preachers preach. So like my, that was not my experience of the church. And I'm like, it wasn't because of that that I was like, this is stupid. I just didn't want to be a pastor. But it was like, they kind of teach but you. It like, is this crazy, is, right? It's like, funny. Because they all sound the same. <laughs> like, that's why I want to know, like, where did they get that? Like, the will a man rob God, like, right at that time? Yeah, it's a good question. There's yeah. definitely some, there's definitely some really um, powerful things about because of the black church experience in the United States, black experiences on Sunday were very, we're just almost um, 
they, there was so much more meaning to them and the way that like the the poetry the art the music all of that became so so central in a way that wasn't as true in white church experiences um i don't know where the style comes from i'm imagining it's it goes back to those days you know yeah, yeah. i yeah. think our ancestors brought like it it's was in inside our ancestors and you know our african spirituality right yeah 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 they were you know told that they couldn't practice it they they had to sneak in, you know, kind of have their time, their singing and their dancing. Yes. Um, and they would use like buckets to do the drums. Yeah. Um, and they just carried that over, you know, to to church. Yeah. Um, and they used a lot of that just to to get through. That's why I think like like that's why I said spirit. Yeah. I, like that's what I connect with, and I know that regardless. You know, we can, with that emotion, we can turn anything into, you know, something powerful, right? Yes. And I believe that that's what our ancestors did. And in the beginning, like, my father was a pastor. Mm. And he, my father was really, he was a really powerful uh, being. Like, when he spoke something, you knew that it was going to happen. Mm. If he prophesied, you knew that it was going to happen. He was, he was he old school, old school, um, uh, spirituality. And he was really trying to live according to this Bible. But right before he died, he was like, I'm done with this. Cause he knew that he was already feeling that, you know, it wasn't what he thought it was. Wow. And he was that he was standing at the top of the stairs at the church. And he was like, I'm done. I'm done pastor. And I was like, no, you're not. And he's like, yes, I am. Watch. And so he went, uh, that week, he did a shut-in at the church by himself for a whole week. And then that uh, Sunday, that following Sunday, he uh, told the church that something was about to happen that was going to knock them off their feet. He's like, y'all, he said, all of y'all uh, aren't ready. He said, it's going to knock y'all off your feet. And then he called my son up to the, uh, my brother up to the altar, my oldest brother, because mm. they had they didn't get along. You know, the oldest son and the the father like bumping heads because the son yes. want to do he want to do whatever he want to do right yeah so he called him up to the altar now at this time i was on my way out to church anyway i did i didn't go that sunday yeah um so my mom said that he called my brother up to the altar and he hugged him and he said my beloved son they and he they had stayed on the altar and cried wow. for, for a while and then my mom said on their way home she said they didn't talk she just put her hand on his thigh she said they couldn't really just talk like the, it just was silence mm. so that wednesday night after bible study again i did not go yes you're <laughs> the apostate i was already done with you. Yeah, i was already done <laughs> I, I kept trying to be in it but the questions like i just couldn't and so by this time i was already on my way out um as well and after bible study uh my mom said that he told everybody to go home and not to stand around outside talking, get in your cars, go home, except for the leaders. Mm. So he had called a meeting with the leaders after the Bible study. And she said that he told them that he was about to leave, uh, that he got, you know, he was about to go home and that uh, to follow my mom and follow my mom's lead. And she wouldn't know what to do. And uh, that Thursday night, I came home from work. I was working at Dale Um I worked. I went to college during the day, and then I worked from six to midnight. Oof. So I, I came home, and um, my husband was in the house, and he had uh, all his friends there. We had a studio mm. at, at the house. He had all his friends there, and I'm like, "Can you please, you know, send everybody home? I got a paper due. Yeah. I'm tired. The kids are asleep." And so he got all, you know. Um, mm. And so I ran into the kids' room and locked the door, and I called my dad. And he said, baby girl, he said, uh, I'm going to tell you this. He said, because he said, you're my least selfish kid. And he said, mm. I know that, you know, you're going to uh, be strong and take care of everybody. He mm. said, but I need you to be strong because he said he doesn't hit you now. But as soon as I'm gone, he's going to knock you upside your head. And as soon as he said that, the phone died. And, we, you know, you had the old cordless phones. Yes. Like yes. Cordless house phones. The phone died and I rolled my eyes. I was like, I am not calling him back because he is talking crazy as hell. Yeah, like, yeah. Talking about. <laughs> I was like, I'm not calling him back. Yeah, right, right. And um, I, that night I, I went to sleep. I had a dream 
that I saw a man's foot with a death tag on it. Um, and I thought it was my father-in-law's foot because he was, my father-in-law was living with us Yeah. at the time and he was getting on my damn nerves. So I just shrugged the dream off. I was like, <laughs> you dreamed him away. <laughs> but um, that night, that Friday night, my dad got killed by a drunk driver. Oh my God. Um, that, that next night, a uh, a guy left the bar, ran the red light, hit my dad on his motorcycle while he was getting, taking my grandmother $20. He was supposed to be at dinner with my mom. Uh, and he Oh got my on the motorcycle really quickly and took to take my grandmother $20. And the guy um, ran the red light, hit my dad on his motorcycle. He came off, hit first, his mandible crushed his brain. Oh my God. Um, as soon as he hit it and the guy got out of the car, looked at my dad on the, on the ground, got back in the car and drove off the, like he left my dad on the Wow. side of the road. Jesus. So some, some kids from Vanderbilt university, I still don't know who those, those kids are. If I, I've said this story in almost every podcast that I've done, if they ever hear it, like I would love to, to thank those, uh, those kids because they stayed with him. Like he didn't die by himself on the side of the road. Um, they were there with him and they called the the ambulance, but his wife ended up turning him in. He went home to and clean my dad's blood off the car, his car, and his Oh. wife Oh my God. turned him in. So it's like, Oh my God. ah, the spirit, like you just can't, Yes. you know, Yes. yeah. When, when somebody has like really a heart of, to, to follow after, you know, um, I, I don't like saying, I don't like saying God, but like spirit Spirit. or, Spirit's yeah, good. yeah, Yeah, I yeah. love that. You can't just do them any kind of way. And so that man, his wife turned his behind in that night. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Erica, thank you for sharing that. <laughs> And did your father's, did your father's words come true? yeah. Yeah, they did. Yeah. It, almost immediately. Like, Wow. so I stayed with my mom uh, a couple of days after my dad passed. Like, stay with her. And then I had to go home to get ready for the funeral. Uh, we had the funeral that following Friday, you know, Black people, we leave the body out for a whole week before we bury it. Yeah. But so we went home that week, that Friday, uh, I mean, that Thursday night to get ready for the funeral the next day. We're in Burger King. He stops by Burger King and I'm crying because like I'm, my heart is just torn. And he literally says, man, shut the fuck up. Like, like
Yes. All I have to do is say, God, for Jesus, forgive me. And I'm covered anyway. Right. And he's saying this while he's wearing a blood red coat. Right. A blood red suit coat. Yes. Right. Represent like covered in the blood. It's a, it's a covering. It's a, a way for you to sin as much as you want. And then you have unlimited passes to forgiveness. Is that what the sacrifice represents for you? Because every time I ask a Christian, are you no longer supposed to sin? Like, is that what it's supposed to be? No, we, we still struggle with sin. Paul said he still struggled with sin. Well, then what did the sacrifice do? Yes. That's what I keep asking. And that is why it's so important to ask the question, because ultimately, like, if your response is, I get to do, I get to be okay. I get to yeah. go to heaven no matter what. Mm-hmm. There's like, yeah. there's actually no difference between us. Yeah, mm-hmm. I struggle with things that I struggle with. You struggle with things you struggle with. The only difference is that I believe in Santa Claus and you don't or vice yeah. versa. Like what? Yeah. yeah, that's what, that's what I, that they don't like it when I ask that question. That, no. that question made people pop in my box and call me a bitch. Like, the, like wow. they were, and Christians have called us out of our names. Like we, one wow. of them came, hopped on and they were just saying, uh, they were saying all vile things. Um, you know, we're all black women on the panel. They said you unalive your babies. You, um, oh my god, you don't want anything in life. You like they were just like straight demeaning us because they were mad. You know that that we were asking these questions, and one of the panelists was like, um, uh, "God sent a babbling a babbling spirit or something." Like they're they're mad. They're mad because. <laughs> Because we're asking the questions that will expose it all, right? So yep. they're, like they're acting up, they're acting up, and she's like they're they're outside watching the live, and then yes. turns like double dutch. Okay, I'm gonna we're gonna send in this one. We're gonna send a stronger one in. We're gonna, like they just get worse and worse and worse every time. That's nuts. Because you're asking questions that will fundamentally disrupt. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I hope this conversation inspired some new thoughts or questions within you. Until next time, peace, my friends.